So here's the question. How do active people in the Atlanta area stay pain-free and live the active, fulfilled life that they deserve at any age? This is the question, and this podcast is the answer. I'm Danny Matei, and welcome to the Active Atlanta Podcast. The Active Atlanta Podcast is sponsored by Athletes Potential. At Athletes Potential, we help active adults stay that way, pain-free and active doing the sports and activities that they love for life. We do this by working on four different areas. That's movement, nutrition, stress management, and sleep. When we optimize these four areas, you feel better, you move better, and you live better for life. Head to athletespotential.com to learn how we can help you stay active for life today. What is up, Atlanta, and welcome back to the Active Atlanta Podcast. I'm your host, Doc Jake Swartz, and I'm here with an awesome guest today. I am so excited to be able to steal a little bit of her time away from her. Uh, her name is Kelsey. She is a sports dietitian, and guys, this girl is absolutely just filled to the brim with knowledge on on the anything sports nutrition related. She's super passionate about it, has a really unique background in terms of how she got into sports nutrition. And I'm just so excited to get her on the show. So Kelsey, without further ado, thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. This is going to yeah. be a lot of fun. I can tell already. Oh my gosh. I'm so pumped to finally get you on here. I mean, guys, for um, I know Kelsey pretty well. We, we've had a pretty good relationship over the past, like what, say year and a half or so yeah. at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just keep like, I just get blown away more and more by like her depth of knowledge and not just her knowledge, but like her hunger for more and more. She just never really seems satisfied. So, um, she's, she's going to be, she's going to be a phone for you guys to listen to. So, uh, Kelsey, before we get too into the thick of things, why don't you give our listeners a little bit of a background of who you are, like how you got into sports dietitian and any stories you kind of want to share along with that? Yeah. So, I did not originally think that I wanted to be a dietitian. Whenever I was growing up, I had so many things that I wanted to be. And I originally thought when I went into college, I wanted to be a chef. So Mm -hmm. I always say I was a foodie first and then a dietitian. Um, But then when I was in college, I realized, you know, wow, I I started off as a psychology major and actually ended up being a dual major. And Mm -hmm. I tacked on nutrition at the back end because as I was in college, I was actually a college athlete. Um, I ran track and cross country at Georgia State. Go Panthers. Nice. That's um, awesome. <laughs> what yeah, did you run? So I did a little bit, kind of bounced around a little bit. Um, I was doing the 5K on track, mm-hmm. a little bit dropped down to 1500 every once in a while. And then in cross country, we compete the 6K, which is a okay. really unusual distance. Um, yeah. Like the guys compete 10K, but the girls compete 6K. But huh. I would never trade that experience for the world. I, I loved being a college athlete. And that's eventually how I kind of fell into nutrition. I had some teammates that did it. And, um, you know, they were nutrition majors. And I watched their career kind of develop. And I thought, you know, that's a really interesting field. And I was in psychology and looked at, you know, nutrition is really a lot about behavior. And so this is just a different outlet for like nutrition is just a different outlet of behavior change. It's just a different conversation than the kind of the, the traditional clinical psychology type of route. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, I love that. And it's true. I think there's a lot of, uh, 
man, one of my favorite classes that I took in undergrad was like an abnormal psychology class. Mm-hmm. And this professor in particular, she was, she was awesome, super passionate, really knowledgeable, but she, um, she, her interest and her research was on nutrition and food dependency with abnormal psychology, psychological behaviors. And she had some really cool, interesting things to say, like things I never really even thought about, at least at that age, you know, when you're, um, when you're an 18 or 19 year old kid going through school, you know, um, like don't watch, don't eat while watching TV because eventually that's going to turn into a, a behavioral or a habit that, um, or behavioral pattern, um, that every time you sit down, now I'm hungry, <laughs> you know, yeah. or not, even if you're not hungry, now I need to eat. I want something right. crunchy, salty, sweet, whatever the case may be. And like, that was like my first intro into this idea of the behavioral aspect of food versus just something you eat, <laughs> you know, like right. everyone enjoys food, but the, but the actual like psychological aspect was, was very new to me. So that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you look at hunger, for instance, like there's that biological hunger that we recognize as our stomach growling, you know, maybe we're experiencing low blood sugar. Um, that's really only one piece of the puzzle. I think that's what people look at the most when they think of nutrition, but really there's also habitual hunger, you know, Mm -hmm. like you were describing when you sit down on the couch at the end of a long day and maybe one night you have a snack and then you eventually come to associate sitting down at the end of a day with having a snack. It's crazy. Um, (laughs) And then of course there's like emotional hunger, people eating out of stress or boredom, whatever it may be. Yeah. it's really funny how most people, when they think of speaking with a dietitian, what are we going to address? We certainly address the biological hunger. We want to set that up for success, but I wouldn't be doing my complete job if we didn't look at the other aspects of why am I putting food in my mouth, essentially. Yeah. Man, what a, what a cool lens you can look at nutrition through. Because <laughs> yeah. I bet, because uh, you, did, did you, you did graduate, with a, did you get your degree in psychology? I did, yeah. Yep. Yeah, you awesome, yeah. Yeah. So like to be able to, to like to have that formal training in psychology along with nutrition. And, um, I mean, that's just something that a lot of people don't have. I mean, I know that there's a decent amount of, of, or there's a couple of different PTs that I went through school with that had that, had that, had that background, but, mm-hmm. and there's definitely components of psychological behavior with pain, but we don't get it relayed to us in that in necessarily that sense. So, um, I think there's a much stronger, or what a, what a cool case to be able to, or what a cool thing to be able to do to be able to drive that psychological component of what you know very well into your nutrition advice and adaptations that you make uh, for people. Um, well, that's cool. So you got two degrees and you were a dual, you were a dual sport athlete. Technically three indoor, outdoor track and cross country. (laughs) Just a little busy. You're way busier in school than I was. (laughs) (laughs) It was a lot, but um, I mean, man, it was, it was so much fun being a college athlete. I was student athlete president. So, nice. um, it was really being in party athletic department, just great friends, um, yeah. really fun memories. That's awesome. So did you feel like your athletics, uh, like, were you kind of experimenting with yourself? Like, Oh, Oh shit. We learned this in my, in class. Like I can provide this athletic or this, uh, pre pre competition, trick that I learned and to mind to be a little bit of an N of one experiment there for yourself? Absolutely. So I'll go back even just a little bit further to kind of give some context. But before I became a runner, I was actually a gymnast and okay. so I was a gymnast for a really competitive gymnast for about eight or nine years. 
And I went to one cross country practice. My dad was a cross country runner in high school. And he said, I think you're really going to like it. Nice. So I went to one cross country practice, fell completely in love, quit gymnastics and became a runner. Um, the only kind of not problem I'll say is I grew up being a gymnast. I looked like a gymnast. Um, I have that very muscular body type and it served yeah. me really well at that time. And then heck yeah, you probably cr- crush it and CrossFit. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. And I know we work together and so you know what it's like, but yeah. um, transitioning into distance running, re- I recognized like, wow, I don't necessarily look the same as some of these other girls. Yeah. And so unfortunately that kind of set me down a path of probably not feeling myself really well, not treating mm-hmm. my body very well in order to try to look like some ideal that, you know, coaches or other athletes were kind of, you know, impressing on me. Sure. And it really didn't, I didn't really start to kind of come out of that until the back half of college when I was actually going through my nutrition classes, you know, I was kind of at that road of being confronted with the science of this is probably not a really great thing that you're doing to your body. Mm -hmm. And I can say, okay, I could either continue down a not so great path or I could just try because at that point it actually wasn't working, you know, me under fueling and trying to meet some different ideal. uh, My performance was suffering a ton. I bet. I looked at it and said, I could keep going down that path. It's not working. Or I could try it the way that I'm actually learning in class. Mm -hmm. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) When I actually started to, you know, utilize the principles that I was learning wow, my performance really took off. Um, you know, I was happier. My performance was better. I felt like I was able to end my college career a lot different than I started. And yeah. that was really, really satisfying feeling. And that's something that I'd certainly take into when I'm coaching clients through, you know, their nutrition struggles. It's something that I want to always remember because I, you know, I didn't like that place that I was in and I would always like to help prevent any other athletes from kind of getting there. Yeah. That's awesome. I think, um, as unfortunate as it is <laughs> that you, that you had to go through like the, kind of like those inner turmoils and everything, like um, you, you get stronger or you, or you get, or the strength comes through effort, right. And, and challenge and struggle and um, the ability for you to now take that experience, take those feelings that you know, very all too well. Right. Uh, and, and understand where some of your athletes are coming from or where some of the, or some of your just clients are coming from when they're struggling with, nutrition or how their body should look. Um, and, and should is such a strong word, right? Like, right. why do you think your body should look that way? Um, mm-hmm. versus how are we, how are we feeling your, how are we feeling your body? How are we making sure that you're getting the adequate nutrition that you need to hit the goals that you want to hit from a performance standpoint? Cause I bet you, if we start hitting those goals, um, you'll start, uh, either one seeing your body as a, and a little bit of a brighter light or two, if your goal is weight loss, uh, if you're able to now fuel your body and you can go work out the appropriate amount of times or, or get the appropriate nutrition pre post and intra workout, then you'll start seeing those results that you're looking for. <laughs> you know, yeah. they kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, um, absolutely. The, the body, op, you know, body composition optimization, like it's really hard to do that under fueled. Yeah. And, and even in college, you know, in my mind in high school, there was a certain ideal of what the distance runner was supposed to look like. And yeah. when I got to college, there are a lot of female athletes who were crushing it on the track and didn't look like the ideal that I had. And I was like, actually, they look a lot more like me. Mm-hmm. And that was also super encouraging. For um, sure. So, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny. And, and whatever <laughs> looks don't matter to, 
all that much, but like, um, it's always funny to me. We get, we get, we get some young guns that they'll come into the clinic and they're like, there's like, we'll call it like shoulder pain or whatever. Right. And I'm like, well, what'd you do? Or what have, what have you been doing the past three months? And they'll tell me just an, an absurd amount of volume that they've gone through. I'm like, what are you doing? Or, or, you know, or like, uh, or like they'll have knee pain and it's cause they're running like 30 miles, 30 miles a day, <laughs> you know, on top of like trying to do like trying to work out and all these other things. And I'm like, look, man, uh, what, what do you want? Like, do you want to look, do you want to look yoked or do you want to look thin and emaciated, like, <laughs> you know, and unhealthy? Um, like what's your goal here? And, uh, and it's always funny, like what people think they have to do to achieve like an, like, a an ideal body image that society has kind of like put on them, you know? Yeah. Um, and it, and it, was, it was always kind of unfortunate, but that's awesome. Do you notice that there's a difference or a stark difference or stark contrast between like the males and females that you get to work with in your, in your profession from a, from a client standpoint? Um, you know, so where I'm working right now is, um, you know, we're on the Active Atlanta podcast and I'm sitting right now in Denver, Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> it's a different story, but, um, but, so, but you work remote with a bunch of stuff. So I feel like you're, you're, you're just so knowledgeable. I feel like it'd still be appropriate for you to get on. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. No. Um, I mean, I was Atlanta in Atlanta for my entire life until, you know, five months ago. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. I'm about as Atlanta as they come. Right. Um, Way more yeah, Atlanta yeah. than me. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, the, so definitely, especially with more, you know, it depends on the athlete group, a lot of endurance mm -hmm. athletes, you know, swimmers, runners, a lot of wrestlers, um, you know, things like that. We definitely still see some of those issues arising a lot more in that, those populations, probably less so in football, you yeah, know, for sure. Probably um, trying to get them to tone down on eating a little bit sometimes. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Depending on the position. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's awesome. So, yeah, I mean, I guess that would make sense for sure. There's definitely going to be like sports that are a little bit more body centric. There's going to mm -hmm. be, or just uh, from a from a body composition standpoint, uh, in terms yeah. of what you're looking for or what you need. Uh, what do you think is? Because I'm assuming, do you do you only work with athletes, or do you work with general pop or gen pop as well? I definitely do a lot of more wellness and kind of gen pop too. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. So then, what do you think some of the biggest differences, or what are some of the challenges when you're working with? Um, like someone who just like from a wellness perspective or somebody who's just trying to improve their daily life <laughs> compared to somebody who is trying to uh, improve their performance from an athletic standpoint? Yeah. So that's a, that's a good question. Mm -hmm. So for a lot of our folks who are more recreational athletes or just looking for that wellness promotion, I think the biggest struggle is how do I juggle these different goals that I have for myself within the context of my daily life, mm -hmm. you know, because there's might be the job and the kids and the commute and yeah. spouse and fun activities. Like you've got to look at the full body context, you know, the full life context. And so most of it, a lot of people come to me having a decent amount of nutrition knowledge. And yeah. so my goal is one to provide that extra bit of education that they might need to set them up for success but then half of the time just looks like, how do we troubleshoot this for your daily life? Right. Um, and so sometimes that looks like people are skipping meals or maybe they're having healthy foods, but not necessarily the right amount at the right time to kind of keep their yeah. biological hunger at bay and keep their muscle building potential really high, mm -hmm. things like that. Yeah. If, 
you know, for those athletes who it's their only job, it's almost, you know, they have it a little bit easier because that is kind of their job. Right. (laughs) Um, Yeah. They're in a vacuum. Right. But it is managing their training load with their nutrition. And I think a lot of times some athletes, especially those right out of college who are kind of used to being at the top of their game, if they want to go to the next level, um, you know, sometimes they look at nutrition being like, I've been doing well so far. Why would I need to change anything? Right. And, and really oh, yeah. it's looking at, you know, if you're the aging athlete, as you continue to move up, you know, there are going to be some consequences of getting older and it's our ability to recover as quickly yeah. and do two a days and, you know, prevent injuries, all those things that keep you in the game for a lot longer. We really have to focus on those things so that your career is as long as you really want it to be. For sure. Oh my gosh. I'm always, I mean, not surprised anymore, but I guess like when I was um, a younger clinician or you just going through school, like hearing the young athletes or I guess like they're, they're a little bit more veteran athletes. Now I can't remember. It was some stud athlete, like, I don't know, maybe LeBron or someone who was in basketball. Anyway, they were talking about like their pregame meal was like so much McDonald's that it made me puke just like, or made me want to puke just like listening to him describe what he ate before every meal. It was like his pregame ritual. Right. And, uh, was still going performing at just elite levels. Like not just like anybody in the pros elite anyway, but elite within the professional arena, which is unreal. And just kind of goes to show you, like, there are going to be freaks like that, (laughs) you know, Uh Uh, for sure. You're always going to have your outliers. Uh, But yeah, Yeah. how do you, and it's the same thing with us in the clinic. Like, how do you convince a 20 year old millionaire (laughs) who has been able to get very far in life by doing whatever they want to do and being fine? And how do you kind of find that message that kind of rings true uh, for that person? I tell you what, I think it's also equally rewarding and a lot of fun and challenging to work with um, the wellness scene too, or your everyday athlete will say, right. Mm -hmm. Um, Because you're right. I think there's so many pressures on people. There's um, you know, like you talked about, you have your kids, you have your job, you have your spouse, you have um, you're trying to take care of yourself as well. You should be at least trying to take care of yourself. Oh, I mean, you're trying to get enough sleep. You know, you're trying to get um, all these things that kind of come in and, and become like, big life stressors. Now, how do you fit your, your nutrition around, uh, around all of that when you're trying to, especially if you're trying to go Dr. Google, which is fine. Like I love what you talked, what you talked about. And when you said that a lot of times people are coming to you and they're very knowledgeable on nutrition, it's the same mm-hmm. thing in, in my field in particular. And I feel like it's a lot of fields. Like people are coming in way more educated, which is awesome. Now you just get to quarterback the situation, right? right. Um, it's really fun to work with people who have such a strong interest in their own health and wellness. Mm-hmm. Um, but then take the advice that you can get online though. It's, it's, it's very convoluted because you got a lot of quote unquote gurus out there who know very much just surface level. And there's this, uh, man, what is the phenomenon called? I can't remember. I'll have to look it up and, and, and link in the show notes, but it's essentially like the bell curve phenomenon where, uh, when you start learning on a subject, you think all of a sudden, you know, everything. And then like the more you, the more, you know, or the more you learn, you're like, Oh shit, I don't know anything, <laughs> you know? And then you start, and then you start realizing like, it's not that you don't know anything. It's just that everything is gray. There's no black and white. And especially when it comes to human anatomy and performance and nutrition and, and physiology. And, mm-hmm. um, when you start taking some advice and the internet, it's a great thing, but it's a powerful tool that can be, um, detrimental in the wrong hands. Right. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. And when you're looking and when you're trusting somebody that you have no idea who they are, or what their credentials are, and you're trusting them with something as intimate as your own health and wellness, mm-hmm. that can be bothered. That can be, a, that can be a scary thing or it can be a troublesome thing. So, um, for them to be able to have the opportunity to, so to be able to have the opportunity to have people reach out to you and, and still want to work with you, even though there's, there's all kinds of like all kinds of recipes and cookbooks and everything else you can get out there, but true nutrition that's dialed into what they want and all the stressors in their life is a challenge that I think would be super rewarding for you. Oh yeah, absolutely. And kind of the, the verb or, you know, word that you used of quarterbacking the situation yeah. is I think applies really well with that. Cause it's really bringing all the pieces together. How do they all fit? So, yeah. you know, that they're fluid in conjunction. That's really yeah. what I, I like to do is, you know, mentioned earlier about, about kind of being that problem solver. Yeah. Um, you know, most of the time people remove, when I think of a health or wellness goal, they almost remove it from the rest of their life. Yeah. Um, and like, well, think about just how you can incorporate this into like your family's life. Like if, if we recognize that, that your diet is lacking in a lot of fruits and vegetables, guess what? Your, your family's diet is probably also yeah. lacking in fruits and vegetables. <laughs> yeah. so, so, it's, so it's like, you don't have to necessarily make this goal just for yourself. Yeah. Um, how do we share this with your spouse, your kids or whoever? You know, yeah. even if it's strategizing, like if mom needs to have, you know, two hours by herself in the kitchen to meal prep her lunches for the week, because that's what's going to make her feel good and optimize her health. Then maybe we need to talk about how to have a conversation with dad about taking the kids out. And yeah. so you really get into like the non-nutrition principles for and sure. just talking about life a lot of times. Oh my gosh. Cause they go hand in hand, you know, like you can't isolate those in a vacuum. Uh, and I found this out very early on in my career as well. Like nobody's really coming to me for knee pain, <laughs> you know, like they're, they're coming to me or no one's really coming to me for hamstring pain, right? Like they're coming to me because now there's, or their life is being, their life, not their knee, but their life is being impacted to a certain point to where now they're not able to do what they love to do or they're not being, they can't, they don't feel like themselves because of, because of their knee. Like that mm-hmm. knee pain may be like, that gateway into the clinic, but it's definitely not why you're there. Cause I've worked with people who have had knee pain for, you know, or back pain for 20 years. And it's like, well, well why now? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like why now are you coming in to work with me? It's like, Oh, well you're about to have your second kid and you don't, and you want to be, and you're afraid of like bending over and picking him and her or him or her up out of the crib, or you're afraid of getting down on the ground and not being able to get back up or being able to keep up with her as she gets older. Right? Like these are real life implications that mean a lot more and make it a, and are a lot more rewarding to work with than when you just try to be so uh, dichotomous and silo things off into, into, into certain vacuums that the world just doesn't exist in. Right. Right. Um, yeah. So no, I, think like, I love that though. What's that? Oh yeah. So yeah, I think recognizing where, you know, they call it the trans, uh, I think it's the trans theoretical model. So the, this is usually the stages of change looking at like, where is a yeah. person as far as in the behavior change process, you know, by the time that they came to you, um, you know, for the knee pain or hamstring pain, like you said, they've got some impetus in their life that is really propelling them forward saying, I'm no longer okay with not being okay. Right. Um, and some people are not quite there yet. For and, sure. And, you know, it can be frustrating sometimes if you're like an advanced practitioner thinking, I have all this wisdom and knowledge <laughs> that I want to impart to you. And yeah. I am being met with some resistance. And so, for Part sure. of it is to kind of roll with that resistance a little bit, kind of help them recognize, okay, so you're telling me 
um, you want to see this in your life, but you're also not willing to give this up. Right. Um, kind of helping them move them along in that process For is sure. something that I, I really enjoy. I try to, to do definitely. Yeah. And sometimes you say, I, you recognize where that person is and um, you give them as much knowledge as you possibly can for where they are. Yeah. And you think maybe they'll come back whenever they've, they're, they've hit a different stage. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that. It, it's, it's a lot like, uh, <laughs> so not to get, um, I definitely don't want to get too political on this podcast, but it, it's pertinent to the story here <laughs> um, <laughs> or, or to the, to the, to the conversation here. So uh, my father-in-law was making a ton of Facebook posts that were very provocative, we'll say. Right. Um, and, and it really agitated like his, his, kids, you know, mm-hmm. and they, they wanted to have a conversation. And so like, you know, they all kind of met together. So his kids being my wife and her two brothers. Right. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. so they, uh, they really wanted to, so they got together before the conversation and they were talking. I was like, look, this is your guys' conversation to have, but, uh, what you need, or what would probably be most appropriate. You can't go in there, like just spewing a bunch of knowledge or, or verbiage or whatever at someone, right? Like mm-hmm. you can't just dump on them. And you, what you have to do is figure out where he's at. And figure out yeah. and where or how you can meet him with where he's at, and then nudge him a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. like, and that's the same thing in the clinic. And Jess was like, "Oh, that's so smart!" Like, not that like you know I'm this brilliant person or awesome like negotiator by any means, but like it's just what I do in the clinic, you know, like cause you're you're spot on. Like, there's a lot of people who like well, they'll come in and like they'll be resistant or um or they'll get or they're very frustrated, and you have to be able to know where they're at along in that process, meet them there and then, and then provide a little nudge in one direction or the other. Like if they can't handle, if they're not ready for a fully, like, you know, a fully, a full mesocycle of periodization programming that um, is super detailed, but they can handle maybe three movements to improve and that they can handle every single day to improve their hip mobility awesome. Let's do that. Well, we're about the other stuff later and you know, we'll get there, but let's, let's find a spot to build. Um, what do you, how, how, what's an example of of what that would be like for you and like the nutrition space. So say, you know, I'm coming in really frustrated with where I'm at. I feel like I know a lot and you're kind of telling me something that I don't agree with, or you can pick whatever scenario you want. What would be something that you try to do to try to help like meet somebody with where they're at? Yeah, that's a good question. I know I laid it on there for you. Right, right. So I kind of alluded to it earlier, but one is just listen and just listen and, and make sure that you understand and, that, and let that person know, like, I hear you. Mm-hmm. And then that's when I say, you know, may I present a different side? Yeah. Um, can I, can I give you a little bit of my personal or professional experience? And most of the time they go, okay, yeah, sure. that sounds yeah. good. Yeah. And then I say, this is, this is what I've experienced, you know? What, do you, what are your thoughts? And then we talk about it. Yeah. And I said, okay, so, so what you were doing before, that wasn't working so well. I have seen this thing work so well. Would you like to just try it? Yeah. And then you report back, if you don't like it, no worries. And by that point, they've kind of gotten to the, we've, we've broken down that initial first layer of frustration or that wall. And, you know, we've developed a little bit of a conversation about what are the different options yeah. And it becomes that person's choice. And if they want to take that option, if they don't want to take it, no problem. For sure. I love that. I think, uh, one of the things that I don't even know if you meant to kind of like, um, bring this up, but when you're, when you're having, 
um, a conversation with somebody, your approach and how you take that conversation can be a multitude of things. And what you did a really good job of in, in that example is, is talking about how you, not only are you consultative, so like, you know, or collaborative, so like you're bringing them into the problem solving, but you're also seeking information from them. Like, mm-hmm what's worked, (laughs) you know, what have you tried so far? Why do you like to do, why do you, why do you think that it's this way? You know, and not in like a confrontational standpoint, but like from a gathering information, you're, you're, you're giving them the power to be able to provide some information and insight into their life and truly just listening essentially is what you're doing at the end of the day and working with them to find the solution versus just talking at them. People respond so well to that. And, uh, and that's in any, and that's in any aspect of life, not just nutrition, um, not just, not just movement or not just, um, healthcare. right? Right. Um, but it is a lost art form in, the world of health and wellness. I think mm-hmm. everybody's trying so hard to prove their value and to, um, show that you're the subject matter es- expert expert yeah. that a lot of people really f- stumble when it comes to actually like listening to what the hell your patient's telling you, you right. know? Yeah. And, um, that's super important. Yeah. I feel like just through my, you know, I've been a dietitian for almost six years now. And so I still have a long way to go in my career, but I've definitely, even you know, personally and professionally gone through that curve that you described, you know, as, as you were describing it earlier of the, I know yeah. a lot of information, I have blah, blah, blah. And then yeah. like, okay, maybe I don't know as much quite as I, as I thought yeah. I did. So one, you know, I've been humbled several times, but then I've also learned to realize that, okay, the research tells me that this is probably a really good application for most people, mm-hmm. but I'll never say that, you know, someone says, you know, I know X, Y, Z diet, is really controversial, but for some reason it just works for me. Mm-hmm. I would never tell someone, you know, stop eating that way. <laughs> Bullshit, if, don't do it. Right, right. Yeah. You know, even if I may know that there's some drawbacks to the diet, I'll mm-hmm. let them know that and just yeah. leave areas, some gaps that I think that we need to fill in. But never sure. would I say, you know, stop eating this or make sure that you have to start eating this. That's whenever I think that you lose people because yeah. everyone really is individualized. And, sure. um, you know, what works for one person may not work for the next person. And so a one size fits all approach is not doing anybody any favors. Yeah. And, and that's at best, right? At best, you're doing it a service, you know, mm-hmm. at, at, at worst, you're hurting someone, you know? Right. Um, yeah. I mean, Kelsey, you, the way you practice in the world of nutrition is exactly like how I like to practice in the world of movement. I think that's very apparent. It's how we, it's how like we related really quickly that way. I think, um, let me ask you this. What, how could people, if somebody wanted to reach out to you, you know, um, and, and either work with you or learn more about your story or just learn more about you, what are some awesome ways that they can get hold of you? Yeah. So, um, I'm, I don't have a huge social media presence, but you can find me on my Instagram. Um, Kelsey underscore Smith underscore RD. Mm-hmm. Um, I am still working in Atlanta with clients at stat wellness. So mm-hmm. if you wanted to book an appointment virtually, um, I'm available there. And then I am still working here in Denver, Colorado, um, with energy performance. That's E N R G performance. Um, and so that's more of the more specific athlete focused, uh, sure. specific testing and things like that. So I've yeah. kind of got my hands a little bit everywhere. You're all over the place, <laughs> all over the place, but I love it. That's actually, um, the question, the cool thing I'm moving to Colorado is, is being you know, uncomfortable a little bit, moving away from my more traditional nine to five and oh, yeah. piecemealing things that I'm really passionate about. 
Yeah. Yeah. Variety is the spice of life. So Kelsey, right. yeah, <laughs> Kelsey, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you coming on uh, and, and, and speaking with us. I, you're, you're an awesome clinician guys. Anybody who is looking for any type of nutritional advice, whether you're looking more the well, uh, health and wellness route, or if you're an athlete trying to take your game to the next level, definitely reach out and the, and the mediums and the community and the channels that Kelsey just listed off. And uh, Kelsey, we'll talk soon. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the podcast today. If you want to find out more about our guests or about Athletes Potential and how we can help you continue to be active and pain-free in life, head over to athletespotential.com to learn more.